It is great to see you all, to be together on this beautiful day, here together as church family. We've gathered under God's love and grace. It's not by chance or by mistake that you're here. It is because of God's call, and we rejoice in that. And we come now before God's Word. We stand together and under God's Word, um, a forgiven people, a redeemed people. And we go with confidence now to hear God's Word, to strengthen us in our faith. We're here to grow in our faith together. And today's message uh, can be boiled down to the statement to learning to trust when there's not enough. Learning to trust when there's not enough. We go out of our way in our, our everyday to make sure we have enough, right? Especially when you're hosting a, a meal. Some of you are experts at this. If you're hosting a meal, maybe a banquet or a, a surprise birthday party for a friend or a family member, you know how to do this. You figure out exactly how much you need and what you need, and you're able to pull this off, and it, it's fun for you, and you enjoy it. But for the rest of us, it creates a lot of anxiety. We're not sure how much we need to have out and prepare. We don't want to run out, but we don't know. It causes a lot of anxiety. I have a friend who got around this anxiety by um, when he turned 60, he decided that he would throw a birthday party for himself. He did it at a restaurant. And so he put all the worry and anxiety on the restaurant staff, and he could just enjoy the party and have fun. It was an awesome party. We had a good time. The only thing he needed to worry about was at the end of when the bill showed up. But we had a good time. When our boys ran cross-country, when they were in high school, Sharon and I would host a, a, a pasta party in our backyard for the cross-country team and, and some of the parents. And, and so they would descend in our backyard, and there was about 80 people there, 80 kids running around. And these cross-country runners, these athletes, they can eat. I mean, they can really eat. I'm just piling on there. Here you go. Yes, more pasta, more bread, more pasta, more... And, just keep going around. And one of the things we were worried about was that we didn't want to run out. I remember one kid came through, and I'm piling food on there. And I go, is this your seconds? And he goes, no, Mr. McKaig, this is my fifths. I mean, these guys are just pounding it. They're a great cross-country team. And every time we hosted that party, we won the tournament for sure. They would eat a lot. And we worried that we'd run out. And so we would have pasta boiling at some of our neighbors' houses, just in case. Make sure we had enough. Main concern for anyone challenged with hosting a meal is that you have enough for the large crowd or the people that come. That seems to be the case this morning in our message and our scripture lesson that we are invited into this morning. It's part of our series, Dining with Jesus. There's some books out on the patio if you want to pick one up. Um, we're exploring those significant moments in Jesus' ministry, in his life and ministry, that came out through a meal, a meal that he shared with others. You may recall last week when Jesus called tax collector Levi out of his tax-collecting life into a life of discipleship. Levi was so filled with, with gratitude that he hosts a huge party for Jesus, and Jesus arrives and Levi has invited all his tax collector friends, and they are having a great time. It was a great meal. Levi hosts the party. This morning, the story that we're invited to 
there's a change. That Jesus is the one hosting the meal. It happens almost by mistake. You see, Jesus has sent his disciples out on an outreach, a local outreach mission to go door to door and, and to invite people into God's kingdom and to, to let them know about what's happening in and through the life of Jesus. Jesus gives them authority to, to heal, to, to come alongside, to help those who are suffering and support the weak. And then when they're done with their door-to-door ministry, they come back to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, I want to learn all about what you have done and, and what you have learned. And so let's go on a retreat. I have reserved some space up at a retreat center in this town above the Sea of Galilee, and I want us all to go there. So let's go and, and get away from the crowds and, and go take some time to retreat. Well, they go off, and then the problem is that the disciples have said so much about Jesus that knocking on the door are some uninvited guests at the retreat center. Here's how Luke describes the event. The disciples returned. They told Jesus what they had done. He took them with him. They went off by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed Jesus. He welcomed them and spoke to them about God's kingdom. So he also, he also healed those who needed to be healed. Late in the afternoon, 12, the 12 disciples came to him. They said, send the crowd away. They can go into the nearby villages in the countryside. There they can find food and a place to stay. There is nothing here. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. The disciples answered, we only have five loaves and two fish. We would have to to go to buy food for this crowd of about 5,000 men there. But Jesus said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks, and he broke them into pieces. Then he gave them to his disciples to give to the people. All of them ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some have argued that this is no miracle at all. Rather, it's a very large group of people that have gathered together, and suddenly they're inspired by Jesus' words of sharing, and share with those around you. And so some suggest that everybody got in these groups of 50, and then they put all the food that they had in their knapsack, and they put it in the middle, and they said, okay, let's all share what we have together. It's a nice thought. The only problem is, is that in this, in this case, um, the gospel writers have repeated this story not just four times, but six times. Each gospel writer has this story. And it's the only miracle story that's repeated in all four gospels apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The story was very important to the church. Moreover, the disciples, if they had known, if people had enough food, they would have known what the crowd had. They would have enough food. There wouldn't be a problem in the first place. We're talking about fishermen here. Uh, There's a tax collector. He knows how to do math. There's also a revolutionary there. They know how to get things done. 
They understood the situation. And for, the, and for them, in the best moment, in this moment, the best thing to do was to send the people away to find their own resources and services because they were not going to be able to feed the crowd. There was not enough. Jesus hears their concern and simply says, well, you feed them. You give them something to eat. Or some other translations say, what do you have? What do you got? Well, you know the rest of the story. They bring forward the five loaves and the two fish, and Jesus instructs them to put the people into groups of 50 the crowd, Jesus looks up to heaven, he gives thanks, he breaks the bread, and then distributes it, passing it out. And then there is leftovers, 12 basketfuls. There have more left over than what they started with. Learning to trust when there's not enough. How do we do that? How do we begin to learn to trust when there's not enough? I got five steps for you. Here we go. If you want to take notes, you can i got some paper in the bulletin for you if you'd like, or you can write them down. First step, acknowledge that you do not have enough. That's the first step, acknowledging that we don't have enough. We think, I think one of the struggles that we have in our faith is sometimes we have a hard time admitting that we don't have enough. We're called to show compassion, to forgive, to serve, to love, to follow Jesus to a point that is beyond our means. Sometimes we have a hard time admitting it. We're a stubborn people. It's hard for us to acknowledge that we don't have enough. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough forgiveness. I don't have enough compassion, Lord, in this situation. I don't have enough patience. You fill in the blank. It's beyond our means. So when we reach that point in our faith, the first thing to do and the first step is, is learning to acknowledge there is not enough. Acknowledge, yes, Lord, I do not have enough strength in this moment. But don't stop there. Second step, discern the task. Discern the task. He looks at the disciples and he simply says, you feed them. What is it you have? Take inventory. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't say, what do you have left over there? Have you got anything to spare? No, it's what do you have? You feed them. They respond like we all would. Well, because we're no different than the disciples. We don't have enough. Often when we're called into something new, challenging or beyond our means, we say to the just send the crowd away. Send the problem away. Ignore the problem. Send the issue somewhere else. And it's easy for individuals, and it's easy for us, and me and congregations, to do just that. I do it. And I think one of the problems is perspective. We focus on what we don't have, and we forget about what we do have. We forget about what we don't have, and we miss out on the potential of what we do have. I've told this story before, but about seven years ago, there was a group of us. We sat in a Starbucks down over here at an RSM, and we thought about what it would be like to have a preschool at our church, at our campus. And we did not have enough. But we started there, and we trusted God. And we started thinking, and some really bright minds got together and figured it out, and 
Gary Pato and Chris Uragi and teammates worked hard and we came up with a plan and here it is. Right through the pandemic we put together a preschool and it's been open for about a year now and it's still growing. Kathy Vanderhoff, our director, is here this morning and um, it's growing. It continues to grow. And uh, one of the things that's remarkable today uh, marks uh, an important day for us because um, the baptism that we all witnessed today, the Vance family came to us through the preschool. If that doesn't send chills through your soul and your mind and your heart, well then, I don't know what I can do for you. But um, friends, it's a great day. And we are blessed. But can you imagine if that group of people in that Starbucks seven years ago would have said, we don't have enough. Send the problem away. Third step. Remember, you and I are in the presence of Jesus. We're in the presence of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not going alone. This is something I often forget. Likewise, when we bring the five loaves, or the disciples, when they bring the five loaves and the two fish together to Jesus, he doesn't chastise them. He doesn't go, oh, come on, what is this? This is ridiculous. It doesn't laugh them out of the room. Go back and dig a little deeper. He doesn't say that. Jesus accepts what they give, what they offer. Jesus accepts what we give, and he blesses it. He thanks God, and he multiplies it. Often ways we will never see. Jesus, in this moment, is also looking up into heaven, and he's trusting God to bring the supply, to work a miraculous event through him. You see, Jesus doesn't have a fleet of Costco trucks waiting right behind him. He's trusting God every step of the way. Every time he breaks the bread, he's trusting God that there will be enough. There will be enough to feed this large crowd of men and women, over 10,000 people. He's feeding them, and he's trusting God all the way and giving an example to the disciples, an example to the church, and an example to you and me that God provides. That God provides. Fourth step. Understand that Jesus needs the church. Now, sometimes we don't like to hear that. Oh, Jesus needs something? Jesus needs the church. Jesus depends upon the church. Depending on the church to help them organize them into groups of 50 to distribute the resources. Those who know about these things say they point to the story as a confirmation that Jesus depends on the church. Jesus could have said, all right, you guys just sit over there and watch me do what I do and just you know, pay attention. Gather around, disciples, watch me work my magic. He doesn't do that. He calls them. He commissions them. He sends them. The disciples, the group of disciples, is not just for show. It's real. It's not just a backdrop for the film set to make the, the star look good. No. God depends on the church. Jesus depends on the disciples. And he takes this opportunity to teach them, to give them an example of what it means to trust when there's not enough. 
Likewise, the church today, the disciples are on a mission. We are on a mission. And Jesus is calling us into the unknown at times, into the uncertainty, into a world. And we bring our faith, as shaky as it is at times, into the world to bring transformation, bring God's creative power. There are things that seem way too beyond our means, and yet... God provides the faith. God provides the opportunity for the church to shine. Trusting God completely, it makes a difference. Fifth step, final step, participate in the communal event. Sharing of food is a communal event which underlines the community aspect of our faith. For Jesus and the disciples, some of the happiest moments in their ministry and, and some of the most meaningful and intimate moments all happened around a meal together. And that's true for us as well. When we gather together as a church family and break bread together, these are some of the most rewarding, most meaningful, most rewarding moments in the life of our faith. Even if it's at bingo. Even when we break bread out here and it's a donut, or when we gather around this table that we're about to participate in together. This is how we learn to trust when there's not enough. Each gospel writer records this event, and each of them say how Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives thanks. And as a symbol of what we're about to do, when Jesus prepares a meal, when Jesus is the host, and he prepares a meal for us, and he says, come, come and eat, because we're learning to trust when there's not enough. And we trust in that same healing, we trust in the same creative power, and all that we do, and everything flows from the life and the life of our church and the life of our worship. Trusting one another and trusting God with the strength and the inspiration to creatively serve those in our community and our world. This is the point where we are nourished in our faith through the meal that Christ hosts for us. You know, the first time that he does this with his disciples in the upper room, Jesus hosted the meal, and on that night, he would be betrayed by one of his closest colleagues in ministry. He'd be arrested while he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, praying, God, I'm trusting you, but if this cup could be passed, but not my will, but your your will alone. And we think about that. And our Lord, as He suffered for us on our behalf, He too was trusting when it seemed that there was not enough. And so we come to this table together, dear friends, in remembrance of remembrance of what Christ has done for us to nourish us in our faith. And we're going to share in these elements, and there will be three stations. There will be one over here, for those who need gluten-free, that's me, and then there'll be one here in the center and one on the side over here, and you can come down the side aisle, the center aisle, and return to your seat. They'll get confusing. We'll bump into each other, but that's what we are. We're a church family. 
And so, dear friends, at the end of the meal, when Jesus gathered with his disciples, they sat in the upper room. And Jesus took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that has been broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, remember me. And in the same way, after the meal, he took the cup. He says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. Dear friends, whenever we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we together pro proclaim the birth, the life, the death of our risen Lord until he comes again. Jesus invites his friends to the table. You are invited to this table. And when you receive the elements, take the elements where you are and then return to your seat. Dear friends, let me offer a prayer. God, thank you for this meal. Thank you for this time that we have together. A meal that you have hosted and are hosting for us to nourish us in our faith. May we receive these elements with gratitude. In Christ's name we pray, amen.